Well, I want to welcome you to the year 2028. Does that sound odd to you? Okay, it's 10 years from now, and that sounds like a really scary number. How about this number, 2025? Is that getting better? That's still a year I thought I would never see. Thought by 2025, we'd be living in space and have pointed ears and would, would, would be ha- having no limits physically. Okay, how about the year 2020? So that's, that's less than a year and a half away. 2020 is on the way. So you are living in a future year right now, but you don't realize it. You are living in 2028, 2020, 2025, because we are the product or the fruit of decisions we've made in the past. So basically the way our life is, is largely, I know sometimes things are imposed upon us that we haven't asked for, but by and large, the reason we are the way we are today is because choices we made, right? And we have to own that. So we're really making decisions today for 2020, 2025, 2028, because in a future day, you're gonna live the fruit of what you've chosen today. That's why you've done a good thing to be in God's house today. Hey, it's not the only good decision you're going to make today, but it's one good decision you've made. And so we need to live in a future year. In 1989, Stephen Covey came out with a book, Seven Highly Effective Habits, Seven Habits of Highly Effective Leaders. And if you've been in the business world at all, you've been at least exposed to that book. His second principle is one that you may remember. He said this, begin with the end in mind. All right, so don't just be reactive to what's happening today. That's how most people live. We react to what occurs today. But what we really need to do is to look into the future to 2028, 2020, 2025, and say, God, who do you want me to be? Where do you want me to be? And so help me to make decisions today. Now, we can't often control a lot of the circumstances of our life, but here's what we can control. We can control our character. We can control our ethics. We can control our intellectual development. We, we, can, we can control the quality of our spirit submitted to God. So it's not about where you're going to live or who you're going to be working for or what business you're going to be running or what degree you have. All those things may have some value, but the greatest question is who will you be? What type of person will you be in the future? And when you begin to see through the eyes of faith and through the guidance of the scripture, the person that God wants you to be, then it begins to change how you live today. You live with the end in mind because you have a vision for where God wants to take you. And that's why we need wisdom. And that's really the theme of today. We need wisdom. The reason a lot of us don't walk in wisdom is because wisdom isn't always exciting. Wisdom isn't always appealing. When we do the wise thing, it's not often the fun thing. When we do the wise thing, it's not always understood. 
when we do the wise thing, sometimes being wise has initial consequences that we have to have the eyes of faith to say, I am walking in the wisdom of God today and I'm making a sacrifice today because there's greater fruit and God has a greater plan in the future. We can't get around these spiritual laws. Choices have consequences. Decisions have a ripple effect. We don't usually see it first in the moment, but as time goes on, we see the effects of our choices, both poor choices and good choices. And it's not just all about avoiding bad things. In fact, avoiding bad things is not really the right mindset. It's about proactively saying, God, I want to walk in wisdom and make good choices and, and be a creator and be someone who brings your light and love in every conversation, in every interaction, in every choice, it's the daily life. The scripture tells us what you sow is what you reap. You cannot, you cannot put seeds of hate and get fruit of love. It doesn't work that way. It's a spiritual law. You cannot put seeds of disunity and then reap the fruit of, of, of teamwork. You cannot put the, the seeds of dissension and actually have friends in the future. Our life is a fruit. It's a result of the choices we make. And I'm not trying to give a humanistic teaching because it's the Holy Spirit's leadership and it's the guidance of the word. This is not self-help, guys. This is the application of the New Testament because the majority of the New Testament talks about relationships and character and the fruits of the Spirit and like living out this life together. And so it is when you tell someone off, there's consequences to that. Now, I've chosen to tell people off anyway because I wanted the consequences. I've been like, I don't want them in my life anymore. I want to tell them like it is. I'm not saying that was Jesus-like, but I'm just saying that I have actually just said there's going to be consequences and I don't want them in my life anymore, so it's time for me to tell it like it is. But there are consequences. I wasn't going to tell the story, and it's not a bad story, but it came to mind, so here we go. I remember getting a call years ago from a, a lady in our church and she said, Pastor Aaron, I'm about to go quit my job right now because, and she started telling me all the complaints about her bosses and one of her coworkers uh, had been offended by her boss and they got in the break room and they were yakking and that lady was getting ready to quit and her friend was gonna walk out with her and the lady who talked to me, she was a single lady, had one income and had not been at that job but a couple of years, and I just told her, I'll make up a name, Joyce. I don't know where that name came from, but if you're named Joyce, I'm not thinking about you. Joyce, do not quit your job right now. I'm just telling you, do not, you're emotional right now, and it's gonna feel so good to gather up your stuff and get in that elevator, she worked downtown, and go down that elevator, but when you do that, you're gonna get in your car, part ways with your friend, she's going to go home to where she has a second income and you're going to be without any income and it's going to feel good in the moment, but you're not using wisdom right now. It may be justified. They may be jerks. And so we talked through it. And if, and I talked her out of quitting her job, praise God for that. Now, now part of her wisdom was she actually called somebody 
Doesn't have to be the pastor. Doesn't have to be me. But she actually called someone. I'm amazed. I'm amazed at how many people make decisions without getting Christian advice from someone in their life. It's astounding. Now, guys, I'm not perfect at this, but I'm telling you, I don't make a major decision in my life without talking to probably to a dozen people. It's astounding to me, and it's really a source of pride. You're making a decision, and nobody in your life has had any input. Your 242 group hasn't had input, or the men's Bible study hasn't had input, or people who have known you a long time hasn't been part of the process. Listen, listen, that is a a source of pride that is undetected. So pay attention to the decisions you make and the choices you make and the words you use and the attitudes you exude and the eyes you roll and the tone of voice you use. I'm telling you, these things matter. These things are a huge part of our spiritual life. We've, we've categorized spiritual morality to like just a few major kind of moral sins that, that align, align with the cultural wars of today. And while, yes, those things are important, those things do matter, it often closes our eyes to the place the enemy really has a foothold in the little things. As Solomon said, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's those sneaky little things that get into our life. So the Lord says this, pay attention Pay attention. This, this, this word in the Greek means discern mentally, observe, perceive, consider, contemplate. Look to with a sense of taking care of or heed. And so we see verse 15 again. Pay careful attention then to how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. This is one of the reasons why you need to be in a good church that teaches God's word. Because on a regular basis through weekly worship, through the small group opportunities, through community, you get to examine your life. It's not the only way you examine your life. Solitude is, we're gonna talk about solitude today. But you need to be under the preaching of God's word, every single one of you. And if you don't think you need to hear the preaching of God's word, you're full of spiritual pride. I need to hear the preaching of God's word. I listen to sermons every week, at least one sermon every week, but usually three or four. Thank you, iTunes. It used to cost a lot of money to have to do that. Now it doesn't so much. I need, we all need the preaching of God's word. That's one of the ways we have this examined life. We live in a culture, guys, where people are living an unexamined life. We're just putting in our time and, and we, are, we are victims of the atmosphere around us and we're not being intentional. We're not making proactive choices to become the people God wants us to be. The scripture today is saying, pay attention to your life. And we, guys, we're missing reflection. There's something that God's calling me to do right now. He's, he's called me in this, this, like, this phase of my life in this last three, three or four months or two months going into October, the Lord has spoken to me and said, this is a time of reflection for you, Aaron. And I'm gonna tell you this, it is a fight. It's a fight in the suburban lifestyle to just get a moment to think. 
Because the enemy wants to keep us busy and scattered and he wants to keep our minds so just crazy that we can't even uh, think about the task at hand. And, and just a few moments a day, and, and maybe it's gonna be more, let God speak to you. That's why the day of prayer we had on July 30th, there, there, and this is, this is just information. This isn't like a, a correction. We had about 20 people participate, maybe 25. And that, that place of silence, that place of solitude, man, we, you could hear the voice of the Lord so strongly. The ESV says it another way in the scripture. It's the same Greek word. It's just a different English translation. Look carefully then how you walk. When is the last time you've actually examined your life? And that's why I'm glad we have the Lord's table and we offer it every week. We're here to examine our lives. We're not spiritual zombies just walking through aimlessly and mindlessly. We're thoughtful creatures. We're created in the image of God. We're creators. We're problem solvers. We're thinkers. We're people that come up with solution. But here's what happens. Without reflection, we let others think for us. Without reflection, other people form our thoughts. And I'm just gonna tell you, there's not one person, me included, who should form every thought for you. I mean, if you're following someone you never disagree with, you're not thinking hard enough. I have a lot of mentors in my life and I've disagreed with every one of them at some point, uh, not in a disagreeable way, but in a positive, um, a positive um, life-giving way. That's why we have the scripture. We go back to ancient truth over and over and over again. Please, please read your Bible three or four times a week. For those of you who can do it seven days a week, way to go. Don't let me lower the bar for you. Those of you who your Bible reading plan is now, you haven't dusted it off in six months or seven months, somewhere around February, just kind of faded out. Do not wait till 2019. Do it today. Just, just a couple of scriptures a day, three or four times a week. Ancient wisdom to transform who you are. Time alone is essential to self-improvement. I'll say that again. Time alone is essential to self-improvement. I love this quote that I found in a John Maxwell book, and it's not John Maxwell, and he didn't quote the person, but there's some random person out there who said something really good. So me and Uncle John, he's not really my uncle, but I like to call him that because I read him every day. Now, pass this along to you. If you study the lives of truly great individuals who have influenced the world, you will find that in virtually every case, they spend considerable amounts of time alone, contemplating, meditating, listening. Those of you who are on the mowing crew, who mow our 17 acres, can you say amen to that? I know you guys and gals, you're serving the Lord and you're in that hot heat and you're doing great things, but boy, it gives you about two hours alone also, doesn't it? Because it's really noble. That's, that's escape time. I'm, I'm mowing the church's yard. Can't answer the text right now. Can't call right now. And the guys and gals I've talked to who have volunteered to mow the yard just really feel God's peace. It's not an accident. Our prayer team have prayed for you. We pray that you'd feel the presence of God when you mow. 
But it's also a, it's a symptom of slowing down and changing pace and spending time alone and shutting off the voices. Please don't listen to talk radio or cable news 24 hours a day. At some point in the day, turn it off. It's entertaining, and I listen to it here and there. I'm not trying to be snooty here and act like I'm above it. But I know this is that those people are paid for ratings to incite your fears, to over-exaggerate issues, to create dialogue and debate that's not helpful, but it's actually destructive to a society that needs to get stuff done. We in our culture need to get stuff done and we can't get stuff done if we're so polarized because we're allowing other people to think for us and divide us. This is not a political statement. I pray on a weekly basis for cooperation in Congress. This is not a political statement. This is a biblical reality that a house divided will fall. Abraham Lincoln did not say that. Jesus Christ said that. And we need peacemakers. We need those who can come together and work together and and not be uh, affected by um, mammon and and the corruption of, of the world that's causing people not to make decisions based off character and what's best for the people. Okay, all right, I think I'm getting a little political now here. Okay. I'm really not, though. It's a character issue. It's an integrity issue. And guys, you are believers, and you are not to be victims of the talking heads. You're to be thinkers. You're to be initiators. You're to be people who go to the Word of God first, not to the Tennessean, not to the New York Times, not to the Wall Street Journal. You go to the Word of God before you go to the sports page. And then the rest of the stuff is more meaningful. Okay, I, I just spoke to all to things that I'll read. So I'm not, I'm not talking about being disconnected from the world. I'm talking about transforming the world and bringing God's thought. So here we go. To make the most of your time. Here's my second point. Make the most of your time. Guys, you are in a specific era of your life and it's the right era for you. For you. you may have preferred being 17 you know the biggest lie in the world is that high school is the best four years of your life what a depressing statement I used to tell my students that and I had I had a good time at 17 but you know I'm not 17 anymore you're not in your 20s anymore for some of you or you're not in your 50s yet for some of you not in your 70s yet Every era of your life, God has you exactly where you are at the time you are. And we need to be age-appropriate leaders within our generation. We need to seize the day. We need to believe that there's promise in the day that we have. I love memories. I love, I think it's important to be sentimental and to think about the past. I love that celebration we had last year of 10 years. That was great. That was fun. That was special. But I'm not living in yesterday. Yesterday is informing my future. Yesterday is making me wiser today. Yesterday is telling me and giving me a passion for what I can do now. And guys, I'm gonna tell you, I don't care how old you are. You're like a Caleb. You're gonna take that mountain. You're gonna take your land. You're gonna take your territory. There is no quit in the Lord. He has a plan for you today. So do not live and be stuck in yesterday. Make the most of your time. 
Solomon had a great opportunity and we prayed a formative prayer as we led to this message about Solomon and his times. And then God asked him an incredible question. First Kings chapter three, starting in verse five. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a, in a dream at night. And let me just say something. And I just want to say this very quickly. We have to discern through scripture our dreams at night. And, and psychology has informed us more of what's happening in the subconscious. But God does speak through dreams. Sometimes, sometimes it's just crazy thoughts. Our mind doing crazy things. But there are occasions when God speaks through dreams. And God said this, ask, what should I give you? And Solomon replied, you have shown great and faithful love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness, righteousness, and integrity. You have continued this great and faithful love for him by giving him a son to sit on his throne as it is today. Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in my father's place, yet I am just a youth with no experience in leadership. Do you see the humility there? Your servant is among your people. You have chosen a people too many to be numbered or counted. So give your servant a receptive heart to judge your people and to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Now it pleased the Lord that Solomon had requested this. So God said to him, because you've requested this, And did not ask for long life or riches for yourself or the death of your enemies. But you asked discernment for yourself to administer justice. Verse 12. I will therefore do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and understanding heart. So that there have never been anyone like you before and never will be again. In addition, I will give you what you did not ask for with riches and honor. So that no king will be your equal during your entire life. Solomon looked at what was best for the people. He did not ask for personal riches. He didn't ask for his enemies to be defeated so he wouldn't have trouble or conflict. He said, God, help me, help me to discern what is good and evil when judging the people. And it pleased the Lord. When we, when we, when we ask for wisdom, it pleases the Lord. Some of you don't want wisdom because it costs you temporarily, but you're being short-sighted because wisdom is going to be your future. There's an opportunity before you. There's an opportunity ahead of you that you cannot anticipate and you don't know what it is. And if God told you right now, it would mess things up. So he's not telling you what the future holds, but he's saying, be wise today and make good choices today because I want to prepare you as my instrument for the sake of my people. Tim Sanders is a... You know, he's a, he's a secular author. He's a businessman. And he writes about something that stuck out to me called the sideway, sideway years. Never heard anyone else use this phrase. And this was the premise of his book. I don't like the title of the book. It's called Today We Are Rich. It's not a great title, but it's a great book. He says, success is not a destination. It's a direction. Now, just think about that for a while. Success is not a destination, it's a direction forward. However, it's surprisingly easy to end up going sideways in life, aimlessly moving neither forward nor backwards, passing time, waiting for a sign or a miracle. Sanders calls these his sideway years. And every single one of us 
is likely have had these. I've had them. Where I'm not necessarily moving forward. I'm not moving backwards. I'm living this life of no reflection. Life where others are thinking for me. A life where I'm not living with the end in mind. I'm just living in reaction to today. I have a dear friend of mine that I love. And I hope he doesn't hear this podcast because I'm going to tell a story about him. I want to tell you who he is. He's a great, great leader, a man of God. And he's had some sideway years. And I knew, I knew it was happening because one, one August, he, he, he was suffering. He, he was very discouraged. So I said, what's going on, man? Tell me what's going on in your life. And he tells me the circumstances of his life. And, and you're going to laugh when I tell you this, but it's not, it's not funny. Don't feel bad if you laugh because you're not, what I'm going to tell you, 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 don't, you, you don't expect what I'm going to say. He said, well, one of the reasons I'm upset is that EA Sports stopped making the college football game. And every August it comes out and it kind of gets me through the fall. I was like, what are you talking about? Now, I, that's a fun video game. I, I was kind of disappointed when they canceled it. Again, I'm not trying to act like my bubba, but it didn't shake my life up. Because it was just, that's like a 40-minute escape when it's used best. And when I used to play that, I, I actually would listen to sermons while I played video games. Like redeeming the time, right? Oh, it broke my heart. Video games aren't wrong, but when video games give you purpose in life, man, those are sideways years, people. You're not moving forward. You may not be moving backwards. I mean, no one, no one else may discern who it is except people who are close to you. But man, God's saying, be wise. Is it wise to live for a video game? No. Is it wise to put another vacation on credit cards? No. Stay at home. Is it wise to make a financial purchase you can't afford because you're trying to impress someone that you don't even know? It's not wise. Is it wise to eat donut holes before you preach a sermon? No, but that's Pastor Daniel's fault for bringing donuts. Jesus had great compassion for the sick. And healing comes from the compassion to the sick. But we can't blame God for lack of wisdom that we have. One of, one of the many issues in my life that my wife helped me with is my refusal to get proper sleep. It was a source of pride in my life. You know, there's some people who are dame droppers. I was a time dropper. Like, oh, I was up before 30 this morning. Bless God. And Beth, out of love, just said, you've got to get sleep. Who are you trying to... I take my sleep very seriously now. I do. I change what I drink. You know, I stopped drinking caffeine at some point in the day. I, I, I change what, I've changed what I do at night. I pretty much fall asleep. Now, I fall asleep, I wake up without an alarm clock. And sleep is very important. Proper sleep is very important. I won't get into all that right now. 
These, these, are, these are issues. It's a lack of wisdom. So here's my last point. Don't be foolish. I don't like ending a sermon with a negative point. This is what the scripture said. Verse 17. Don't be foolish, but understand what God's will is. So I've preached this whole sermon. Before we go to the table of the Lord, I think I have a word from God. Stop making the same dumb decisions. That is deep, man, isn't it? Stop making the same dumb decisions. We we didn't even deal with verse 18. Verse 18 says, don't get drunk on wine, but understand what the Lord's will is and understand our what we do with alcohol is a personal choice in our church. But this is what I'm going to say, though. If you keep doing something foolish and you blame it on alcohol, then quit drinking. If you keep doing stupid stuff and say, well, I was drunk, maybe it's a foolish thing for you to drink. Some of you keep blaming alcohol for immoral or unethical or foolish behavior and you are deceiving yourself and you need to stop. The wise thing for many of you to do is to eliminate alcohol from your life. For some of you to do. Again, I, I wanna be crystal clear. This is, this, is, this is our church doesn't have a position we believe it's an individual believer's decision. I'm saying for those of you who keep doing, you can't handle alcohol, you keep doing stupid stuff, you need to stop. If you keep offending people through humor, stop telling jokes. Now guys, when I was in college, I was the funniest guy on the hallway. You wouldn't believe the funny stuff that goes through my head. About 80% of it now is just, I just give to the Lord. Lord, I'm so funny. The other day at the leadership summit, the Friday of the leadership summit, I just, after listening to a day and a half of lectures, a little crowd with us from the church, I just started getting to my goofy self and Beth and my daughter, Abby, they're like, this is how he is at home. You know, this is how he is. And, and, and I'm not being inauthentic. I, I want to be authentic. But even at home, I try to really restrict sarcasm now because it just, it's misunderstood. God has not called me to be Jimmy Kimmel. He's not called me to be uh, Fallon. He's not called me to be a comedian. He's called me to be a man of God. He's called me to be a preacher of the word. I use humor to, 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 when I see you guys falling asleep and that kind of stuff, keep you engaged. Try to open up with a funny story. It's all technique, but that's not what I'm called to do. I'm called to be a minister of the gospel. So if you keep offending people through your jokes, quit telling the jokes. That's the wise thing to do. The wise thing to do. Don't throw away your respect for the temporary. Proverbs chapter nine, verse one says this, wisdom has built her house. She has carved at seven columns. She has prepared a great banquet, mixed the wine and set the table. She has sent her servants to invite everyone to come. She calls out from the heights overlooking the city. Come in with me, she urges the simple. Though, to those who lack good judgment, she says, come, eat my food, drink the wine I've mixed. Leave your simple ways behind and begin to live. Isn't that a great phrase? 
Learn to use good judgment. Let's stand together. Learn to use good judgment. This is what the Lord's saying. I, I just see, guys, none of us are perfect on this, but we've got to start making better decisions. We've got to start making better decisions. I'm, 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 I'm speaking to you. This, listen, the enemy wants you to get all focused on other things, peripheral things, and, and really it's the core of who you are. Are you making sound decisions? Do you keep repeating the same mistake? Do you keep falling in the same patterns of behavior? Are there trends in your life? The Lord says, be wise. Listen, wisdom's inviting you. Wisdom builds the house. There's a house that you're going to want to live in someday. I'm not talking about a physical house. I'm talking about a metaphorical house, the place where your family's going to dwell, the the place your grandkids are going to come. It's a place of wisdom. It's a place that wisdom builds. And wisdom is saying, come on, come on, learn from me. Learn to make better decisions. Learn to uh, phrase those words more carefully. Learn to bite your tongue. Learn to watch your tone of voice. Learn to handle your finances wiser. Learn to, to handle the things that I've entrusted to you better. The verse six says, leave your simple ways behind and begin to learn to use good judgment. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, it was our passage we read today. And I want us just to, if we can put it up, uh, back up today, I think, it's, I think it's at the end of my sermon there, the whole passage. Can we just say this together? Pay careful attention then to how you live not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Father, we thank you that that you are wisdom. The cross was wisdom. And Lord, as we respond to this message today, we pray that the wisdom of the Lord would be ours. We receive the wisdom of the Lord. We thank you and we praise you.